does Finland really exist? Oh, it definitely exists. I've been there. There is a theory that Finland is actually the Baltic Sea. According to the theory, Russia and Japan made up the country of Finland in 1918. It was a little bit rainy when I was there, but uh, right. I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't realize I was in a boat the whole time. Smashing Security, episode 254, A Dead Hamster, A Brass Pen, and The Beatles, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 254. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, this week we are joined by... The very special... The incredible... The wonderful... (laughs) Extraordinary... Nobody! Absolutely nobody. How come? Why don't we have a guest this week? Um, We've been busy AF lately um (laughs) december is always a difficult time isn't it it's just there's a lot of work around and i've been on an overseas trip i've just come back from saudi arabia the beautiful city of Riyadh. and you are currently in uh quarantine aren't you yes i'm self-quarantining i haven't got any symptoms and i've had no positive test results but um under the new regulations because of omicron um, I'm not allowed out for a few days, having uh, just returned. So I'll be stuck here until I get a negative test result, which hopefully will happen in the in the coming hours. Well, we're all extremely thankful for that. <laughs> <laughs> now let's thank this week's sponsors: One Password, Perimeter Eighty One, and Uptix. It's their support that help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? I have got a story for you about hamster-related conspiracy theories. Okay, that's fun. And I'm talking charity scams. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chum, chum, I love a conspiracy theory, don't you? I do. You often accuse me of being a conspiracy theorist on this show, so I'm uh, surprised you're admitting oh. that you're actually into them as well. Oh, no, 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 no. I think there's a difference between loving a conspiracy theory and believing a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I don't believe conspiracy theories. Well, I probably do. I don't know which ones. I don't know that they're conspiracy theories. Let me run a few past you and see if you believe them or not. Okay. Did man really land on the moon, or was it a hoax filmed by Stanley Kubrick? who then felt bad about it, included clues about the truth in The Shining. So did man really land on the moon? What do you think? Or was it a hoax? Um, I think men really landed on the moon. Okay. All right. Um, In 2008, um, you remember those uh, ever so smart scientists at CERN in Geneva? They turned on the uh, particle accelerator, didn't they? The most powerful and largest one in the world. Hydron Collider. That's the thing. Now, Mm -hmm. did they, when they do that, did they also accidentally create a black hole in the centre of the Earth and we all got sucked into it and we just haven't noticed yet? I have no idea. Oh. (laughs) If we haven't haven't noticed, I wouldn't know. Well, all right, but you're you're considering the possibility. All right. Well, I know nothing. I know sweet fuck all about Hadron Colliders and how they work. I have no idea. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's a possible from you. You think we might be sucked into <laughs> yes, a black right. hole. Yes, that's right. That's right. It's a right. possible from me. Yes, All right, quote okay. me on that. Yeah. Let's try another one. <laughs> Does Finland not really exist? Finland, no, it definitely exists. I've been there. So that one mm, I can be... Well, have you been to Finland or have you been to Eastern Sweden, Western Russia or Northern Estonia? Because there is a theory that Finland is actually the Baltic Sea 
and that anyone it wasn't who's... wasn't it was a little bit rainy when I was there, but right. uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't realize I was in a boat the whole time. According to the theory, Russia and Japan made up the country of Finland in 1918, <laughs> right. so that Japan could fish there without causing huge environmental impact, and then transport their fish via the Trans-Siberian Railway. That's why the railway was created, by the way pretending that they were actually transporting Nokia products. Okay. And other countries, other countries have cottoned on to this, but they've agreed to keep it a secret for some reason or other. So that's, that's the conspiracy. So you think Finland does exist? Yes, I mm. do. Although I'm now questioning it now, because that yeah. sounded really impressive what you just said. It sounds plausible, doesn't it? It's it, sounds pl- it sounds exceptionally plausible. <laughs> so my, my final one for you, is the one yep. which I'm going to focus on today, which is, did Warren Buffett, the super investor... The rich, the super, super duper yeah. rich man. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Did he organise the assassination of a cryptocurrency trading hamster? Like a hamster hamster, an image of a hamster, or a person called Mr. Hamster? No, no. And, well, <laughs> what do you mean an image of a hamster? Well, like an actual rodent. Yes, I'm talking about an actual hamster with four paws and a liking for cheese. Yeah. Is it called assassination if you kill an animal? All right, does it matter? Did, did Warren? I don't know. You've made me question I, everything now. I'm questioning everything. I'm like, I'm totally paranoid now. Did Did he organise the death of a cryptocurrency trading hamster? Yes or no? I have no idea. Well, maybe you'll be able to decide by the end of my little section. Okay, I look forward to that. There is a hamster. His name is Mister Gox. Seemingly named after Mt. Gox, which was a cryptocurrency trading platform which went bankrupt some years ago. Now, Mr. Gox, he has a trading desk, a hamster wheel, and two tunnels marked buy and sell made out of loo paper rolls. And <laughs> he was telling people how to invest. So the hamster. He would, yes. So he would choose. With his mouth, he would sit there and go, Frank, <laughs> Frank, you definitely got to buy this one. Hey, it's time to hey. buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, he's the Esher mouse now. <laughs> so he would first of all choose what kind of currency he thought people should trade in by going in the hamster wheel, and rather like the wheel of fortune, you know, tick, 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 rather like that. You see, he would run round, and that would choose a random cryptocurrency, and he would stop on the cryptocurrency okay. he wanted, and then he would either run down the loo paper roll, which was marked sell or the one that was marked by, and that would tell people mm-hmm. which cryptocurrency to sell or buy. And So is you, this is this like being streamed online on a website or something? Yes. So you can go watch it. On Twitch. Right. He has a Twitch channel, as all cool people do. All right, so it's on Twitch. Yes. And yep. so far, so normal, okay. right? So far, so 2021. <laughs> oh, yeah, super normal, super normal. <laughs> but what's unusual, yep. what was unusual about this was that Mr. Gox... The uh, hamster. Hamster. Yes, was actually making money. He was beating professional cryptocurrency traders and fund managers. And folks would tune into his Twitch channel to watch him trading in real time and maybe follow his suggestions. So what you're saying is that knowing absolutely nothing about crypto, just going in and randomly buying and selling various different uh, things could lead you to be way more rich than the actual investors that are apparently specialists in this field. Well, maybe the legitimate investors are also randomly 
buying and selling cryptocurrency. I mean, maybe this makes more sense than wasting time trying to work out which one you should be investing in. That's my point, right? So the fact that I know nothing about this might give me an edge. Right. Because Mr. Gox, the furry-pawed trader, was doing quite well. By the end of September, Gox Capital, his investment firm, was up about 20%. It was actually outperforming even Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company. So, There's a lot of words here you're using. So what you're saying now, hamsters can actually own companies. <laughs> okay. This is good. Well, mm-hmm. if, if you had... So he's sitting there with his little fat cigar going, we're quitting, guys! Okay. I don't... You're fired! I don't think <laughs> you should give cigars to hamsters. I think that's a bit like giving cigarettes to rabbits. It's It's kind of not cool. I know people do it. Not good, though. (laughs) So, all was going well. Everything was right with the world until the end of November, when it was announced that Mr. Gox, real name Max... The hamster. He had suddenly... Yes. He had suddenly and unexpectedly died of unknown causes. Right. Apparently after going off his food for a day or two, which is a very sad thing to hear, obviously. It was reported by the world's press that Mr. Gox, the hamster had died. But um, I'm really glad that they saved Colin inches for this, okay? Yeah. So uh, well, you know, it's it's yeah, but Kroll, he was doing what? quite well. He was an extraordinary hamster. And many of Mr. Gox's eighteen thousand Twitter followers were mourning his death. But inevitably parallels have been drawn with the mysterious death in prison of paedophile Jeffrey Epstein mm-hmm. and the case of Quadriga's Gerald Cotton. Do you remember Gerald Cotton uh... and Quadriga? We've talked about this on the podcast before. So, in early 2019, we learned that the founder and chief executive officer of a cryptocurrency exchange called Quadriga mm-hmm. had suddenly and unexpectedly died, a bit like Mr. Gox the hamster. Dun, dun, dun! But Gerald Cotton <laughs> wasn't hanging out in his hamster cage. Instead, he was travelling in India where he claimed he was opening an orphanage. Is he a human or is he a fellow hamster as well? No, Gerald Cotton is 30-year-old human. Okay, Hamsters good. Just, don't just tend checking. to live that long. Um, <laughs> now, when he allegedly died, the company claimed that 250 million Canadian dollars worth of cryptocurrency belonging to hundreds of thousands of customers was either missing or couldn't be accessed. Because oh, only- I now yes. yes, I do remember the story now. Yes. But only Cotton had the password to its offline cold wallets and he was now mysteriously disappeared or dead oh he went overseas he's disappeared and it's like well so so have the funds it seems what's what's crazy story yeah and there's even apparently now a netflix documentary being made about how investors are sort of sleuthing around trying to get to the bottom of what happened is gerald cotton really dead had he taken all the money has his wife got the money? All, all this kind of stuff, you know. Dude. Yeah, it's a great story, though. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very cool story. So I think there are parallels here. So we've got a case of two individuals who have died from unknown cause in a mysterious way when they were having some sort of success related to cryptocurrency. Okay, did you drink any and- crazy juice in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> Because, okay. What's crazy? What's crazy? Why are you tying these two things together? 
Because they're both in the world of cryptocurrency and right. they've and they've died. So therefore, it's causal, it's correlated, it's definitely related. Okay. You're the one who believes we're living in a black hole caused uh, by the scientists. Uh, okay, gaslighter. The hadro well <laughs> I just said I didn't know. I think the answer I said is I have no idea. Don't think you can light gas inside a black hole. That would be a good test. Something for you to think about, Carl. Anyway. Take care, take heed maybe, as to how you invest your cryptocurrency, both where and whose advice you're taking, whether it be Why? a hamster or someone at Why? I don't understand. So a hamster's died <laughs> and your story is take heed when people that were actually taking his advice were making more money than other people. Well, well. So, what are the, so basically look for a new hamster should be your advice. <laughs> Not easy to replace a really? hamster that talented. It seems to me any hamster could do this job. I wonder if they were kind of like down different holes. There was like food or different scents put in to try and, uh, you know, entice Ooh. them one way or another. There's a conspiracy yeah, theory. There you, yeah. go. there you go. Mm. Crow, what have you got for us this week? Well, Graham, I don't know if you've noticed, but Christmas is a coming. Jingle, jingle. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> you have a kid. It must be like serious when you have a kid. You must like be like getting lists of all the crap you're going to need to get and all the stuff. No, not really, because <laughs> because it's not my job. That's what Father Christmas, also known as Santa Claus, is doing, Crow. Oh, so, so you don't parents... even get to see the list at all and you have to just oh, go buy blind? I, I mean, it, no, I don't have to buy anything. Everything is bought by Father Christmas and his magic elves. Uh, they're the ones who handle it. And isn't that great? Okay. Well, I want to. I want you to imagine, mm. Graham, that you are feeling generous. I know. Really, try mm. and imagine that you're feeling a generous, and you're uh, a generous humbug. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you decide to give money to a worthy cause, right? And you're just mulling this over, and lo and behold, you get yeah. a so in your social media feed, you see yeah. that Martha, okay, your great great friend Martha, has just loved a post from a charity you haven't heard of before. Oh. Right? That's good of her. And it's yeah. helping save the starving donkeys at Christmas time. Oh, little And donkeys. you love Martha. You like donkeys. I know you love donkeys. So do you, do you click the link? <laughs> well, I might be interested in what she's, uh, what she's giving money to. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I think you would be like, hmm. I think your immediate reaction would be like, I think Martha might be falling for something. I just want to double check that this is really... What, just because she's liked something charitable? Well... You think? No? Okay, so she said, hey, hey, Graham, um, you can only be my friend if you give him 100 quid. Ah, now then, now, knowing Martha, no. <laughs> now I'm a little bit more, now, now I'm feeling less charitable and less interested, yes. Right, okay, so because the thing is, is there seems to be quite a bit of charity scam warnings going on out there. I was doing some research for another story I was doing, for mm. our friends at the Cyberwire, actually, and it turns out that there's a big kerfuffle about raising awareness about charity fraud. Oh. Have you have you had these? Do you get these in your mail? Do you? No, not, not a huge amount, but I'm interested in this kerfuffle. Is, is the problem that genuine charities are upset about people warning about charity scams? Because it may mean the genuine charities don't get as much charity. Well, that is what this story is all about, because that's right. my concern as well. Right. There's okay. all this news about all these charity scams going on, yeah. especially during the holiday season. The FBI have just put out 
a release on this. And the reason is, of course, people tend to give more generously during the holiday season. Mm. Or yet another reason, depending on where you live, is that there are tax deductions for charity donations. Right, yeah. Before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So if a scammer pretended to be an agent from a well-known charity group or sent you an email invitation for a donation at the right time, you might be much more likely to click on it. And you know, being duped by a charity scam during the holiday season is like putting on a Santa hat only for it to be filled with, you know, my in-laws bread sauce. Like it is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think it matters who's made the bread sauce. I don't think it's specific to your in-laws. I freaking agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good thing. No, but if you decide to give money to like, I don't know, the homeless or the sick or the lonely or the elderly, and you mm. found out you ended up lining the pocket of some scammer, you'd be Ooh, a bit. I'd be, oh, I'd be really annoyed. But you know, this is the thing that I kind of think is fascinating by charity scams, because a charity scammer needs to fool you into happily giving the money away. Like, yeah. unlike a ransom attack, right? Where it kind of goes, if you don't give me your money, we are going to embarrass you publicly. Or, yeah. You know, At least that's is- honest. At least that's an honest way of robbing you, right? They're, they're being fairly upfront and saying, look, here, here's the deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we you are criminals. <laughs> we will show your naked pictures unless you give us 200 quid. There's a certain decency about being robbed in that way, right? Or being extorted from in that fashion. It's like, okay, I understand what's going on here. But when they come to you with a little jingle, 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 say, oh, look at the, the poor orphans. Will you give money to the poor orphans? Or something like that. And then you find out that you've been scammed. Then that's going to be, yeah, that's, that's somehow worse, isn't it? Yeah, but it's way worse for the people that depend on the charities, of course, because there's people out there, like if you stop giving to food banks and shelters and health centers, what then? Yeah. Oh, right? yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So this is yeah. a really sticky pickle. Oh, don't start that. No, no one's paid for us. No one sponsored this. But no, but it is, right? Because people tend to want to give at this time, but they're going to be worried about scammers because, hey, they're not going to get their tax deduction if they go for the wrong charity. Mm. So it seems to me we need some advice, right? Because it's Christmas time. Is it coming? You're the woman to give us some. No, you are. I think you are. You're the the experts here in loads of things, you know, related to tech. So what advice do you have? (laughs) No, of course I've got a list of things. Of course I've got a list of things. I just want to see if you hit any. (laughs) Well, well, I suppose if you have a favorite charity already... And you know what their website is, for instance, you could go directly to their website. Right. Don't follow links. Go and search on a search engine and find the exact page if you want to give to that specific charity that you already know about. The other thing you could do is if you have a favorite charity, maybe you could have a standing order so that each year they um, take some money. Give the hackers money month on month. No, 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 not the hacker. No, look. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing to me? What are, well, I just saw you were getting an interview mode. It was cute. It was cute. Um, I'd, I'd be careful as well if you were on the high street too, because people might come to, up to you and they sort of shake in their collection tin. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's happened to me a lot because yeah. I think there's a lot of scammers in my neighborhood who use charities. And you know what's happening now as well? Tell me. People are wearing masks. So which makes them even seem even more like bandits. And it's like, oh, hang on. Who might you be stopping me? Daylight, you know, high, highway robbery that's going on here. I think the, the, the best advice I have is slow down. Like it is a problem that 
actual legit charities tend to go right now, this is happening and, you know, fill you with emotive images. And, you know, like, if you don't give right away, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, scammers have capitalized on that. But I think our job is to kind of say, slow down. So get the information, go away and then process that and do your own research. Don't like just sign up and do a money order right there and then. Mm. Because especially yeah. in shopping center or door door stopping events, it can be pretty, you can feel bad to say no. But I think if someone's pressuring you to pay right now, rather than giving you information to let you go think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and sometimes I've done that when people have come to my door and knocked on my door and said, we're collecting for... I don't know, the three-legged donkeys of Malaga or something like that. Mm. And it's like, you know, they show you some emotive... donkeys again, I know. Yeah, and they show you some emotive <laughs> photographs and you think, oh, crikey. Uh, but I would rather say, look, can you give me a leaflet? Exactly. And I'll read about this. And I'll, when I'm feeling a bit more sensible and less pressured, then I'll make a decision as to whether I want to do this or not. But a lot of people don't want to look like an idiot at that time. Do you have trouble with that or no? It comes naturally. I I think that was an insult. No, it wasn't really. Now, another piece of advice. What do you think about using a credit card in these situations? Because if you do, you have a lot more rights to dispute a charge if something goes wrong than any other type of payment. So people that say, oh, could you pay me with gift cards or like a money transfer or a bit of Bitcoin, you know, or a bit of crypto, bit of Erethium, doggy coin. And some of of the credit cards out there, um, for instance, those provided by um, past sponsor privacy.com, for instance, um, you can create little virtual credit cards, can't you? Love that. So what you could do. Revolut do that too, yeah. You could give them your details, but you could maybe have a limit as to how much it's spent and you'd know who was using that card because sometimes you're nervous about giving your credit card details and where else is this going to end up and how is it going to be used? Exactly. And the other thing is, is in order for tax deductions to work, and this is where the U.S., guys might be more au fait with this than we are because we know about tax deduction stuff but how many people when they give to a charity go and check beforehand to see if they're listed amongst the charities that from which you can actually deduct your tax from but you know what i'm trying I, to say i know what you say and I, I i must admit i only do that personally when i'm given a charitable donation of more than one million pounds if it's just little sums of money like half a million i don't bother but when it's a big sum that i'm giving then i do care Right. Mm. No, no, I've given like a billion and never actually looked. Oh. So. <laughs> wow. You t- I'm more generous you, right? than you. That's all I'm trying to say. Right. <laughs> Grow Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be up there in the air. I'll be there. Yeah. We're mm. going to be in the, the spaceship together. I can't wait. You'll be riding up on his great big. Yeah. Oh! Mm. Can we go to Pickle Week, please? Oh. <laughs> okay. Perimeter 81 is the first ever cybersecurity experience platform designed around instant deployment, unified management, integrated security, and full visibility. Perimeter 81 allows organizations of any and all industry sizes to support IT teams with robust tools to secure and manage your global network with one unified platform. Securing remote access for cloud and hybrid businesses and organizations, Perimeter 81 provides unified solutions such as zero trust network access, firewall as a service, device posture check, and more. Learn more and request a demo at Perimeter81.com. That's Perimeter81.com. 
We are also sponsored by Upticks. Upticks is a cloud-native security analytics platform built to protect the modern attack surface. Uptix zeroes in on blind spots that are preventing you from identifying and responding to existing threats and vulnerabilities in your ecosystem. Plus, Uptix normalizes telemetry across macOS, Linux, Windows, and containers, records system activity for historical investigation even when no alert has fired, and enables you to build complex custom detections. In short, Uptix provides observability across both cloud workloads and endpoints in a single centralized platform. Visit smashingsecurity.com forward slash Uptics. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S to learn more about its cloud native security analytics platform. And thanks to Uptics for sponsoring the show. It's that time again when we're all thinking about plans for the upcoming year. Does your plan include making your team more productive and secure? 100,000 businesses use 1Password to secure employees at scale by encrypting their passwords and sensitive information and helping them get more done faster. That's why for a limited time only, new customers can get 25% off the first year of 1Password business and find out how 1Password can boost productivity while protecting their most sensitive data. But you better act fast. This deal is only good until December the 16th, 2021. Find out more and claim your discount at onepassword.com. And thanks to OnePassword for supporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something like that. It could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app, whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week is not security-related. Last week, Carol had her Pick of the Year. Did you not, Carol? Yes, I did. You haven't even watched it yet. And it's now gone from Netflix. <sighs> I didn't get a chance. I just see the trailer, but it sounded really good. Anyway, maybe I will go and purchase it online to watch worth it worth it right because i have a pick of the year as well Ooh. this is the tv event of the year if not maybe several years because i have been watching is this doctor who related no not doctor okay. who i have been watching on disney plus get back the new documentary by Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings fame. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this, Crow? No. I know Peter Jackson. <laughs> I know of Peter Jackson, but I don't know anything about the documentary. I don't have Disney well, Channel. Something. You should get a free trial uh, for seven days or however long and then just binge on this. So Peter Jackson, as you know, he made Lord of the Rings, right? And they were, oh, do you remember? He did his extended cut. He did this, it's like, oh, three movies. Oh, my goodness. And they put them out on DVD and they were like three and a half hours long and they went on forever and ever, but they were great. You know, they were good movies. And then he did The Hobbit, and somehow he managed to split The Hobbit into three <laughs> yep. different movies as well. It's just like, God, drag it out, mate. Oh, moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's done the same again <laughs> because it was announced a, maybe 18 months ago or so that Peter Jackson was making a documentary or remaking a documentary about the Beatles, and it would be coming out of the cinema. And then COVID happened. And during the COVID thing, the decision was made, let's not put this in the cinema. 
let's instead put it out on streaming and we'll make it, rather than one, one and a half hour movie, we'll make it three separate documentaries with a total running time of about eight hours. I think we can start saying now that it's been Peter jackson Yes. Right? Been, so yeah, it's, verb it up. Yeah. Each, each episode is about two and a half to three hours long. I've watched it all. I downloaded some of it before I got to Saudi Arabia, and then I've watched the remainder since getting back. And what it is is this. Right, okay, I have to set the scene for those people who aren't Beatles nerds. In January 1969, the Beatles went to Twickenham Film Studios, a great big like hangar-like thing. It was cold, it was huge. It wasn't the normal place where they recorded their music. Okay. And they had this challenge because at the end of January 1969, Ringo was going off to make a terrible movie called The Magic Christian with Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know at the time it was going to be terrible, though. No, presumably not. Ringo no. wanted to be a big movie star. He was put into this movie. And so the Fab Four thought, OK, why don't we use this bit of time which we've got to make a TV documentary? We'll have ourselves filming, rehearsing for a show, rehearsing for a concert. And we'll rehearse songs from the White Album, which had just been released, a double album, extraordinary album mm-hmm. they'd just released. Mm-hmm. And then when they got there, they said, hey, you know, why don't we just like come up with completely new songs? So they decided instead of re- recording and rehearsing songs they'd White already written, songs, right? yeah, they would instead write 14 new songs within three weeks, learn them, then perform them in a concert in public. They'd not done any public performances for about three years since the crazy days of Beatlemania. Wow. So they started doing this and the tensions rose. And within a few days, George Harrison quit the band. Because oh. it had a bit of a... Falling out. A variety of possible reasons. Some people say it's because Yoko ate some of his biscuits. Other people say Paul McCartney was being a bit overbearing. You as long as there was yourself. no hamsters involved, I'm happy. Right. And when he came back, they dumped the idea of a TV documentary and things like that. They said, instead, we're going to make it a movie and we'll finish the movie with a big concert performance. And the director was saying, oh, well, why don't we go to Tripoli and we'll be, we'll be in amazing architecture and we'll be surrounded by 2,000 Arabs holding torches. Or let's go to a sick kid's hospital, but not too sick, just broken legs and stuff. And so he's saying, well, the director's got all these ideas and it, they, they don't really want to do any of this, right? They don't really want to. And it's like this pressure, like, how are we going to learn all these songs? And they're goofing around. Anyway, the film came out in 1970. It's called Let It Be, and it was a pretty dreary affair, not least because just before the film came out, it was announced that the Beatles had split up. And so people viewed the movie as the reason why the Beatles split up. Okay, zoom forward to the present. Peter Jackson has taken over 160 hours of the raw camera footage and hundreds and hundreds of hours of audio. He's stitched it all together. He's upscaled the footage, re-edited this into this three-part documentary called Get Back. So effectively, you are a fly on the wall over these three weeks, watching the Beatles very candidly, rehearsing songs, even coming up with songs on the spot. So for instance, you actually see the moment when Paul McCartney um, wrote the Get Back song. You know the song Get Back, Jojo was them. So you see him just strumming away and the tune begins to appear out of thin air. And then the other Beatles get involved and they make it this song. And there's other hilarious things which happen in the documentary. I 
absolutely <laughs> loved it. It was wonderful. Eight hours. Now, it may not be for the casual Beatles fan. You may find it a little bit drawn out. And the, <laughs> Peter the, Jackson. <laughs> and the first episode in particular is a little bit more depressing than the others because they're not very happy in the first part of this documentary. They're all bitchy to each other. There's just... Anybody want tea? No, no, I'm fine, thank you. There is a lot of tea and toast being made yeah. uh, during the course of it. But there are funny things which happen. Like, uh, there's a song called Two of Us, and Lennon McCartney, at one time, are actually singing it like ventriloquists. So they sort of challenge each other. Can you sing the song without moving your lips? And they're going, got a gear, got a gear. Anyway, they're doing, <laughs> there's a lot of arsing around. But it's wonderful. And I've been looking forward to seeing it so much. It's now come out, hasn't disappointed. Beatles fans around the world are delighted with it. Go to Disney Plus if you're even a little bit interested in the Beatles and watch it. It is slightly slow TV, and I do like slow TV. <laughs> okay, you're, you've mentioned a number of times. Yeah. 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 So that is it. And yeah. um, it is my pick of the year. Whoa. Get Back by Peter Jackson on Disney Plus. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, the energy that was coming off you during that, I didn't even feel like an interrupt. So I might, I might watch it again. I might watch it again this week. Since Good. I'm locked down for a few weeks. Exactly. Days. Why don't you learn it? Why don't you learn every single line in it? And then you can entertain all your friends. I'd love that so, so, so much. So much. Oh. I'll put a link into the trailer. You'll like the trailer at least. That's only a minute and a half. That's quite fun. Links in the show notes. Crow, what's your pick of the week? Okay, so I um, recently had a birthday. Oh. And I got a few great gifts. Ah, uh, yes, Graham, you did. you gave me a very interesting gift. Mm. Um, I've actually started it. It's oh. a book. So listeners, it's a book. It's quite an intense, heavy book. I was very impressed by you buying this for me. Thank it's you. called A Woman Looking at Men Looking at Women. Um, and it's by Siri Hutzfeldt, and it's essays on art, sex, and the mind. And I'm 30 pages in, and so far my takeaway is that we give credence to scientists and researchers more than we do artists, and it's a damn shame. But I'm still to read about all the reasonings as to why. Oh, but you're enjoying it, are you? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. Oh, she's, good. It's I'm quite pleased. A, she's quite an engaging writer. I've not read her before. Right. Okay. So thank you very much. Um, however, my <laughs> book is not my pick of the week. Oh, it's the gift that my husband bought me. And oh. listeners, I love this. If you like pens, it's not an ordinary pen. Right. It is a brass Kawiko. So K-A-W-E-C-O. Brass oh, yeah. sports pen. A sports pen? Well, it's called brass. It's called sport because it's smaller and it's very, um, it's just amazing. So it's beautiful. What type of, is it a fountain pen? Is it a ballpoint pen? It's a fountain pen. pen. Right. I'm sure they do ballpoint pens. Kaviko have been pen people since like the 1870s or something. Mm. But this brass pen is the perfect weight. It writes like a dream. It's super compact and fits into the smallest pouch or case. It's beautiful. You should look it up, Clue. It's really, really good. It's the bomb. Does it uh, take ink cartridges or do you have to do that? Do you remember the Slurpee thing? 
You can do both of them. So currently I have an ink cartridge in it, um, but I also have a plunger one that I can, because I have lots of ink around the house, so I can actually yeah. plunge in ink of different colors into the little plunger receptacles. You can choose how you want to use it. What do you do with your pen? Um, write, doodle, draw, make okay. lists. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Boring. Yeah, okay. I thought maybe you'd do something more fun with it. All right, fair enough. Listen. <laughs> Pick earwax out or something like that. I'm not, I'm not even talking to you anymore, Graham. I'm talking to listeners. Listeners, it is the bomb, okay? I actually heard about this pen about six months ago, and I mentioned it to my other half, right? Oh. And then, of course, I totally forgot about it. And he didn't. And that's why I married well. So this is my pick of the week, the Kawiko Brass Sport. And I'm proud to recommend anybody who likes to draw a doodle or handwrite. And link in the show notes. I love a doodle, I must say. <laughs> Explains a lot. Well, that just about wraps up the show for this week. If you want to follow us, you can do so on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G, Twitter allows to have a G. And we've also got a subreddit. So go and check out Smashing Security up there. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smashing Security in your favourite podcast app, such as Overcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And big shout out to our episode sponsors, 1Password, Upticks and Perimeter81. And of course, to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists and the entire back catalogue of more than 253 episodes, check out SmashingSecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Maybe we could do the podcast sometime like a ventriloquist. So without moving our lips. I thought you were going to ask us if we could Peter Jackson our, our podcast and make it three hours long. <laughs>